0: in the Northwest, guaranteed fresh. It's The Morning Blend with David and Brenda, a dynamic duo who share the joy of the Catholic faith through catechesis and conversation on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio.
1: Good Thursday morning to you, May 25th, 7 a.m. David and Brenda with you on The Morning Bland, Thank you so much for joining us. Remembering the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner. Wow.
2: Oh, that's a great way to get your morning started. God rest her soul. Yeah,
1: yes, indeed. Died yesterday at the age of 83 after battling a long illness. She was living uh, near her home in Zurich, Switzerland. She had lived in Europe for quite a few years, but, uh, yeah, passes away yesterday. What a life. What a legend. I mean, she reinvented herself. She was a victim of domestic abuse, had to flee her husband, Ike.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Had to start over literally with nothing. And in middle age, became another star. I mean, I mean, hit after hit, what's love got to do with it? Oh, for sure. Uh, tiny Dancer, 12 Grammys, 150 million records sold worldwide. Oh. Just incredible. Wow. What a career. You listen to artists talk about her and younger artists like Beyonce mm-hmm. uh, and older artists like Mick Jagger even, what she meant to them. And their, and their careers to yes. follow her. And so, yeah, what a legend.
2: And reading some of the articles about her life, one of her concerts, uh, I believe they said it was outdoor concert, Rio de Janeiro. One of the all-time most... Um, attended yeah. concerts like 180,000 people came out to see her and amazing I, it, it's yeah. just incredible a real loss for music industry she was you said 83 years old and, right. and ill so it is a long life but still a loss felt for sure
1: HBO did a wonderful documentary I on her that. yeah if you ever really want to get a good look at her life and how she overcame uh The Trials and Tribulations, and then to reinvent herself again and become a star again. Uh, It's truly an amazing documentary about her life. And they talk with her in the documentary as well. She kind of explains her life, how things went down for her, and how she, again, brought herself back up became a star and Mm -hmm. just a true legend.
2: Uh, There's some great documentaries too and behind the scene footage that you get of Tina Turner herself in coaching Angela Bassett during some of the concert scenes. Angela Bassett, of course, Uh, portrayed Tina Turner in the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? Mm -hmm. And Tina Turner very closely involved in the making of that movie and kind of showed her how she would have moved through that particular stage scene or something like that. A real incredible story of her life as well in that movie.
1: Yeah, so anyway, uh, God rest her soul. And and, uh, thank you for all of the wonderful memories and uh, of course her music lives on so uh, you can still obviously continue to listen to Tina Turner thankfully with all the wonderful recordings that she has i you know it's hard to pick a favorite song when we were we, you and i were kind of going That's through right. her music catalog yesterday and it's like oh boy there's a lot of music to choose from uh, a lot of her uh, hits uh, particularly back in the i guess 80s maybe i'm thinking i yeah, think so i think
2: the that 80s. was def- the 80s was her comeback yeah. for sure and then reinvented herself even you know pre- starring in a movie yeah. remember she was in beyond thunderdome that's the right Mad Max
1: exactly
2: movie she she did that and did yeah. the music uh, for that movie also oh just yeah. you can't pick out a favorite yeah. when you've got i mean tina yeah. she is the favorite
1: i had to go with proud mary though because that was kind of the that was kind of the beginning right there so anyway hey what do you have coming up this morning
2: well david it looks like uh, uh excuse me uh, it was just one year ago this, how how time flies when a gunman opened fire at a school in Uvalde, mm, texas that's right. the archbishop gathers with his followers and said and yet here we are full of hope. All right. I'm going to have more from that That's story. Very
1: good. And of course, Memorial Day weekend almost
2: here. We'll talk a little Memorial Day weekend coming up as well. Oh, all right. Look forward to it. we got a great show ahead for you this Thursday morning. Here is a Lob with Resurrection. And we are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
1: It is a lob and resurrection. It's seven ten at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. David and Brenda with you on this Thursday morning. Well, you have a great interview coming up. Deacon John Paul, he's just about ready to be ordained a priest. June third, we'll visit with him right after the
4: forecast
5: Join Maturday Radio and Monsignor John Sayak with a morning blessing.
6: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Heavenly Father, we beg you for your blessing this day, knowing how good you
6: are and how you treat us, not according to our sinfulness, but according to your mercy. We ask you to bless all the people listening, wherever they are, in their homes, and their cars, at work, and that you would give them the grace that they need to be holy this day. You would know, send the Holy Spirit to them. Would send our blessed Mother Mary to intercede for us, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit
5: descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit MaterDayRadio.com.
1: Mater Day Radio's leadership circle connects through All Source Communications. Is a technology upgrade in your company's future? All Source Communications is an independent local telecom brokerage specializing in internet and phone systems. Connect today at AllSourceCommunications.com. That's AllSourceCommunications.com or call 503 967 4887
5: for All Source Communications, connecting Monterey Radio's Leadership Circle. Memorial Day weekend kicks off the summer travel season, and Mater De Radio's Hail Mary Media app is the perfect road trip companion. You're always a click away from renewing your spirit with live Liturgy of the Hours from Mount Angel Abbey and a customized schedule of your own daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also features a stream of Mater De Radio's live broadcasts and podcast of all our original programming, including shows not available on the radio. Plus, you'll find cool summer activities from the whole family on the interactive community calendar that integrates directly into your car's mapping program. Join the thousands of listeners who'll be traveling through the summer with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to matradayradio.com for all the details. Wherever you go this summer, spiritual renewal is just a click away on the Hail Mary Media app from Matraday Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And it is 713,
1: Day Radio. Well, going to be kind of a sunny, warm day today, high of 82 degrees. Now, there is a 20% chance of a shower or a thunderstorm after... Th- 3 o'clock this afternoon leading into this evening, so I want to keep an eye out for that. Low tonight, 56, and then kind of the same for tomorrow, Mm. although even a little warmer, up to 85 degrees.
2: Oh, that sounds like a good day to me to sit outside on the patio, Mm -hmm. David. Currently, it is a cool 55 degrees at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver.
1: And 56 degrees at St. Charles Church in Portland.
2: Well, across the country, so many people, so many families are gathering in our cathedrals in all of the cities across the country because it's this time of year where a special opportunity takes place where the entire community is invited to watch as young men present themselves before their archbishops. Well, and take those steps towards their priestly ordination. Well, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, that is coming up on June 3rd. I have the wonderful opportunity this morning to talk with one of these transitional deacons that's preparing. Well, just in a few, well, short week, we'll be making those steps at St. James Cathedral in Seattle. Deacon John Paul Tomasi is joining us today. While he lives here in Oregon with his family, well, he will be a priest in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Joining me today to tell us a little bit about how he's feeling as we lead into these days ahead of his priestly ordination. Good morning, Deacon John Paul. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Brenda. Thank you. It's a blessing to be here. Well, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about kind of your upbringing. You're from a a family. I think that many people know you on both sides of the river. Kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your upbringing and how the priesthood was made an option for you to choose as your vocation.
7: Yeah. um, Well, uh, as you mentioned, my family lives in the Portland area. We grew up going to... Holy Rosary in Portland. Uh, and I, th- I think we would say our ex- our extended family, especially uh, on my mom's side, uh, um, uh, practicing Catholics uh, had a pretty strong practice of the faith. The holidays were big, especially uh, Christmas and Easter, um, but certainly you know, Sunday mass, attending daily mass uh, often. So um, yeah, so we had a strong practice of the faith. Um, And I think just within that, simply as a part of that, the priesthood uh, was always uh, something that was presented to me and to my brothers as a possibility uh, that that God could be calling us to that. That uh, I think all of the kids in my family were aware that God could call to uh, vocations in the church, to, to marriage or to a different vocation in the church. And so it was just there. I don't really know where the uh, wh- where where I was or you know how old I was when I first thought uh, I think I want to be a priest when I grow up, but I was probably pretty young, maybe like six. Uh, wow! Um, and uh, I would attribute it mostly to the kind of that family environment, simple practice of the faith, and then the presence of the Dominican priest, Holy Rosary. I, um, I think they their their warm witness to the priesthood, um, their kindness to me. And uh, they, were, they were men that I looked up to.
2: Deacon John Paul, many young men during those formation years, especially when they're in high school trying to find their way, many are kind of go to the experience at Covadis days. Was that ever an opportunity for you, or were you just really had priests available to you mm-hmm. to help you explore this vocation?
7: Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, it's funny you should ask. So, we, where, where, where does that? six-year-old idea of what, what I might want to be when I grew up um, uh, or what God might be calling me to. Like, how does that mature when, when a guy's in high school? Um, for me, actually, Quo Bata Stays was pretty uh, pivotal. I, um, I would say it was my opportunity every summer before I went to Quo Bata Stays each year of high school, before each year of high school. Um, and it was my, my kind of annual opportunity to check back in about that question and some years i was more intent about the priesthood than others but as uh, as i continued on in high school the kuvada stays experience like before my junior year left me feeling pretty strongly that i needed to look more seriously into uh, going to seminary possibly uh, college seminary since you know and juniors in high school, they're thinking about what they're going to do for college or um, after high school, and and so, so that really Quivadas states provided the the space for me to to think about that um, and to pray about that, and and it's hard to say there was anything sensational. I, really, it was more a sense of peace around how peace that I experienced in my heart when I considered uh, that God might be calling me to the priesthood, and Quivadas states provided the the space.
2: Mm. Um, how wonderful uh, are you!
7: So yeah, I, I I've I've since helped with Covada days as a seminarian sure. and, and seen it from a different angle. It's just been it's been kind of a delightful uh, 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 oh, experience. But uh, uh, yeah, so
2: our own son was able to attend Kovada's days again through the Archdiocese of Seattle. I highly recommend it, even if your son is like, oh no, I'm not going to be a priest having the opportunity just to even explore their own faith and and then really let God help them decide what that is. Oh, it, it's such a wonderful experience. Deacon John Paul Tomasi joining me today. He soon will be Father John Paul Tomasi, God willing, at his ordination coming up in Seattle on June 3rd. Well, Deacon John Paul, so mm-hmm. you, you had this experience. I love that you say that, that sometimes and during some summers and some years that it was stronger than others, but always leading you towards this moment in your life. When you left high school, did you go straight into seminary or did you go to a local college first, graduate, kind of what was your process then through seminary to where you are now?
7: Following my uh, last school of artist days as a camper, um, I had a conversation with the vocations director in Seattle, and he said he'd be uh, willing if it if the if this sense and prayer remains with me uh, after Kovata stays. He because you don't just want to go off of a retreat high, but but uh, but he he said if you know if this remains with you for a week, let me know and I'll give you the application. Um, and I uh, filled out the application in my senior year of high school, and um, though there were intervening events, I ended up going to college seminary um, in my, in, in that, that year after high school. I, I um, went to Gonzaga University as a, a freshman and um, began at Bishop White Seminary, which currently I think Portland and Seattle both sent to Bishop White. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a small college seminary that's um, uh, connected to um, the uh, to gonzaga university but is run by the diocese of spokane um and so that's where i went for college it was a real blessing to be able to come to that discernment in high school that i needed to take a more serious look at this and then uh, enter college seminary um which wasn't a one like a wasn't a final decision that, that certainly definitely going forward to priesthood but instead college seminary is a especially focused on forming men as good Christian men um, and helping them to then discern if they will continue on to major seminary, we say, uh, after college. And uh, in that case, they'd be more seriously taking steps directly toward the priesthood.
2: Such an exciting time now for you. And we know that you did take those steps to seminary and now your transitional diaconate, not to uh, just about a year ago. And now, well, those steps to the priesthood coming up in just a few days. Deacon John Paul, I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. And there's more I want to talk to you about, especially how you're feeling kind of leading up to these days and how the diocese is. Asked you to prepare yourself leading up to your ordination. I am coming up against my break. Can you stay with me through the break so we can continue in the next half hour?
1: And it is... 723 at Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on the Morning Blend this Thursday morning. Sarah told us yesterday that we are well over now 2,200 folks who have downloaded the free Hail Mary Media app. If you haven't done so yet, I sure encourage you to do so. It's full of wonderful information. You can get access to our exclusive audio, video, and text prayer library, You can tune in to the live broadcast of Mater Day Radio. You can sign up for customized prayer reminders. You can listen to many different podcasts through the free Hail Mary media app. Did I mention that it's free? Is it it free? It is free. So
2: I don't have to pay anything (laughs) for it.
1: Not a thing. (laughs) You can learn more. Just go to our website. It's right there for you at MaterDeiRadio.com
8: Francis speaks from the Franciscan Missionary Sisters of Our Lady of Sorrows. The Early Days of the Brotherhood This is how our brothers lived in the early days at the Church of Our Lady of the Angels. Although it was already a holy place, they made it even more holy by constant prayer and silence. If anyone spoke after the time set aside for silence, it was to speak devoutly and discreetly of things pertaining to the praise of God and the salvation of souls. They curb the desires of the flesh, not only by fasting, but also by frequent vigils, by enduring the cold and light clothing, and by working with their hands. In order to avoid idleness, they would often go and help poor farmers work their fields, and sometimes after work, the farmers would share their bread with them for love of God. They sanctified themselves and the place by these and other virtuous acts. A Reflection from Through the Year with Francis of Assisi by Father Murray Bodo. Learn more at olpretreat.org. A great
1: way to support Mater Dei Radio is through our leadership circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership
0: Circle at materdayradio.com. Want an eye-opener in the morning without the caffeine? It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Dei Radio.
1: It is 725 at Monterey Day Radio and some words of caution as we approach Memorial Day weekend.
2: That's coming up in the news. And they are a sign of hope, says the Archbishop in Texas just one year ago when a gunman opened fire at a Uvalde, Texas school. I'll have that story of hope for you coming up in four minutes. Here is Danielle Noonan and The Road Less Traveled. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend, right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
3: On the path, he's. Your weary soul, like the night you cover me on the roadless travel, on the roadless.
1: It is Daniel Noonan and the Road Less Traveled. It is seven thirty at Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
2: And in your news. On the one-year anniversary of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, Archbishop Gustavo Garcia Siller of San Antonio, standing at the pulpit of the town's Catholic Church, reminded the community that faith and unity are essential to move forward. Archbishop Garcia Siller said, Our presence here today is already a foretaste of the hope that helps us communicate among us and which pushes us forward. Now, the mass shooting on May 24th, 2022, 19 fourth grade students and two teachers died in what was one of the deadliest mass shootings in the nation's history. The assailant, who was also killed but law enforcement's slow response, has long been scrutinized. In the years since the town's police force has been dismantled, the school simply, superintendent retired amid pressure from the victims' families, and the state officers have also been terminated for their response as the massacre unfolded. Now, outside of Uvalde, the victims' family have gone to the Texas Capitol every Tuesday since, advocating for gun legislation, including a bill that would raise the minimum age to buy an AR-15 style rifle from 18 years old to 21 years old. The bill showed promise earlier this month, but is unlikely to pass before the legislative session ends.
1: Well, as always, it will be a busy time on the Oregon coast this Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer. That's a reminder again to be very careful when approaching the ocean waters and the dangerous rip currents there. It was over a week ago that a beaver teen lost his life after being swept out to sea, after being knocked over by a wave while wading offshore near Cannon Beach. Another friend had to be rescued. In Pacific City, state park officials are concerned about two sinkholes that have formed on Cape Kiwanda the latest on May 8th. Now, while the sinkholes are fenced off to visitors, park officials remind folks to be alert near the sinkholes as they could change at any moment or another could appear. Now, since the discovery of the sinkholes, Oregon State Parks has increased its presence on the Cape, and geologists continue to evaluate the area. And, of course, if you're out boating in any of the rivers, the lakes, the streams, life jackets uh, Mm -hmm. necessary. So, uh, again, it's going to be a busy weekend, as you know. For sure. Yeah.
2: Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis entered the 2024 presidential race on Wednesday, stepping into a crowded Republican primary contest. The 44-year-old Republican revealed his decision in a federal election commission filing before an online conversation with Twitter CEO Elon Musk. Now, DeSantis' entry into the Republican field has been rumored for months, He joins a field that already includes Donald Trump, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, a South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson and biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramsby and former Vice President Mike Pence is also considered a likely presidential candidate, but has not yet announced a bid. Now Governor DeSantis was raised Catholic, attended mass as a child and was a student at Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic School in Dunedin, Florida. He's also the nephew of a Catholic priest and also the nephew of a Catholic sister both residing in Ohio.
1: Well, despite vocal protests, the TriMed Board of Directors last night voted to raise transit fares by 30 cents beginning next january on a six to one vote the board increased the regular adult fare to two dollars and eighty cents fares for students elderly disabled riders as well as registered low-income riders will also increase by 15 cents to a buck 40. now the increase does not affect monthly fares for users of hop fast pass cards last night meetings was frequently interrupted by chanting from people protesting the fare hikes But TriMet board members said the increase is necessary to sustain TriMet services. The agency has struggled financially due to drops in ridership during the pandemic, and the majority of board members pointed to TriMet's lack of fare increase for the last decade and said they didn't want to delay it any longer.
2: David, we were talking yesterday about this uh, proposal, and both you and I could not think back far enough to a time when we actually used the bus you know the city TriMet and me on the on the Washington side of the yeah. river ha- haven't used the bus so yeah I
1: more tr- more uh, uh the uh, light rail light rail yeah thank you yeah I've I've used light rail much more just for whatever reason you sure. know but uh, yeah so anyway this uh looks to be the, the fare increases look to be going in effect again January first so still a ways away
2: all right. Well, early Tuesday morning, a small group of outdoor adventurers ascended a footpath towards Johnston Ridge Observatory to gather supplies necessary for its summer operation. On May 14th, a mixture of mud, rocks, and water poured over Spirit Lake Memorial Highway, burying the road and damaging the 85-foot bridge. Now, the goal of the hikers was to gather useful items so Johnston Ridge Observatory can function at the Coldwater Science and Learning Center. Their empty backpacks would soon be filled with radios, computers and informational seats. Now, Johnson Ridge Observatory sits at the end of Spirit Lake Memorial Highway in the center of Mount St. Helens Blast Zone, presenting an impressive view of the volcano. But visitors can still catch an equally stellar glimpse of the crater at the Castle Lake viewpoint so that viewpoint would be it's it's a few miles before that bridge mm-hmm. uh maybe a total of 15 miles from the johnson ridge right. um observatory so they say i read the article too that those whose cars have been abandoned there remember they were oh, let, yeah. stuck on the wrong side of that landslide mm-hmm. insurance will not come through for them even to try to help them get their vehicles back <laughs> they said well your cars are perfectly safe and undamaged they're just parked in a parking lot
1: right and uh, you'll be able to get them back in two years when the bridge <laughs> yeah. is
2: rebuilt
1: yeah or. who knows how long it'll be it's going to be a while
2: though. it'll be a while
1: yeah Uh in sports a tough start for oregon state at the pac-12 baseball pac-12 conference baseball tournament in scottsdale arizona beavers fell to arizona 13 to 12 yesterday wildcats scored the winning run in the bottom of the ninth inning Oregon State takes on Arizona State this morning at 10. Oregon, who won their opener, faces top seed Stanford tonight at 7 o'clock. At the West Coast Conference Baseball Tournament in Las Vegas, University of Portland will take on Santa Clara at 7.20 this evening. As a two seed, the Pilots had a first round bye. And the Oregon women's softball team begins play this evening in the college softball Super Regional in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Ducks take on Oklahoma State at 6 o'clock in the best of three series, with the winner advancing to the softball college World Series.
2: Well, most likely, Jesus himself spoke Aramaic as his primary language, as it was the common language spoken in the region of Palestine during the first century. A Semitic language, it is closely related to Hebrew and remains in use nowadays by Christian and Jewish communities in Iraq, Syria, Iran, Turkey, Armenia, even Russia. Now, since it was the language used in everyday conversations, trades, and community interaction in Jesus' day and age, historians assume that he grew up speaking Aramaic within his family and community. However, it's also probable that Jesus had some knowledge of Hebrew. Hebrew was the language of religious texts and rituals, and Jesus being raised in a devout Jewish family, he would have been familiar with Hebrew scripture and participated in Hebrew religious practices. Well, that is one of the reasons why learning Hebrew can greatly benefit Christians by providing a deeper understanding of the origins, culture, and texts that form the foundation of their faith. Daniel Esparza gives us three important Hebrew words in Alatea that every Christian should know. Okay. So, David, in today's show, well, I'm gonna tell you about three of these. Okay. So here is the first word. Yep. It is Elohim. Okay. Elohim. Mm-hmm. Now that's the Hebrew the Hebrew word is frequently translated as God mm. in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that is to a certain extent correct. Now the word Elohim is the plural form For Eloah. And now, in some Bible passages, Elohim refers to the singular God of another nation or to deities in the plural. But in some others, it is one of the primary names for our God. Mm -hmm. And that is how it is mostly used throughout the Hebrew Bible. So, calling God Elohim conveys the idea of his supreme authority, power, and sovereignty. All right.
0: It's time to find out what's going on in our
2: Catholic community. This Saturday and every Saturday of the year, beginning at 9 a.m., is the weekly Catholic in Recovery meeting at St. Matthew's Parish Hall in Hillsboro. Catholic in Recovery is now meeting at St. Matthew's Parish in Hillsboro every Saturday. These are available to anyone dealing with any kind of addiction or unhealthy attachment used in connection with a faithful practice of the sacraments. There is great spiritual fruit in these meetings. And remember, you can find more details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app.
1: And Brenda continues her conversation with Deacon John Paul as he prepares for his ordination. We'll have that right after the forecast.
6: This is Father Thomas Nathy, the pastor of Holy Redeemer Parish in Vancouver, Washington. Let us pray the Prayer for priests by St. Therese of Lisieux. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O oh Jesus, Eternal Priest, keep your priests within the shelter of your Sacred Heart, where none may touch them. Keep unstained their anointed hands, which daily touch your Sacred Body. Keep unsullied their lips daily purpled with your precious blood keep pure and unearthly their hearts sealed with the sublime mark of the priesthood let your holy love surround them and shield them from the world's contagion bless their labors with abundant fruit and may the souls to whom they minister be their joy and consolation here and in heaven their beautiful and everlasting crown amen in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen Hi, I'm Father Cedric Bezenya. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest and the host of Live with Passion. My motto is Touching Lives and Saving Souls. I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. Talk about real life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion.
1: It is 743 at Mater Dei Radio. Sunshine today, high of 82 degrees. Slight chance of a thunderstorm later this afternoon into the evening. Low tonight, 56. And then for Friday, even a little warmer, high of 85.
2: Currently, it is 56 degrees at St. Peter's Catholic Church in Newburg,
1: And 54 degrees at St. Paul Church in Eugene
2: and i am back with deacon john paul tomasi deacon john paul is a transitional deacon and on june 3rd well he will be father john paul he's joining us today to tell us a little bit about his journey and well what's on the horizon now for him deacon john Mm -hmm. paul thank you so much for staying with me today
7: thank you it's been delightful
2: well, as a parishioner at Holy Redeemer, I know that in the year that we have been parishioners there, you were on the minds, hearts and prayers of so many people who just have been praying with you as you journey towards the priesthood. It is just a short time away, June 3rd at St. James Cathedral in Seattle. But you did have some help and preparation getting there, including two years as part of your pastoral years, part of your training, kind of tell our listeners a little bit about what you were able to do, where you were at. And well, if there's anything that was a a, a nice surprise that you weren't expecting, being able to serve people as a transitional deacon.
7: Um, yeah. Uh, well, just a, a little a point of clarification. I um, have my pastoral years. You're correct there. I, I so I did um, it, it's normal for a seminarian say to do one pastoral year, and, uh I know in the Archdiocese of Portland it's it's been common that a transitional deacon uh is uh, ordained a deacon and then uh, does a pastoral year uh in Seattle we we place the pastoral year often earlier in theology um in theological studies uh between the second and third year all of this is changing with the kind of some some changes that are occurring within the program for priestly formation throughout the, the country, um, but at least uh, under the system that I was uh, in, it was most, most common in Seattle for, for pastoral years after two years of theological studies. Um, and uh, so the, uh, I had a, a really a real blessing to be able to do, um, in fact, two different pastoral years, um, partly because I, I kind of needed it. I had been in school my whole life and I got to, through with my first year of theology um, and I've struggled in school for, for years and, and uh, just, it was, it was a real, I think I was losing a lot of energy and, and fervor and, and my, uh, vocations director invited me to consider. And, um, I, I think we, we both quickly agreed. It would be a good idea, um, for me to just go out to the parish and, uh, work for a year and see what, it, see what it's like. And it was a, a, a real, a real blessing. That was, I did, I spent that year at St. Pius tenth in Mount Lake Terrace. Um, and, uh, that community really embraced me, the, the pastor, Father Cal Christensen, um, uh, one of, one of the priests who I'll ask to vest me as a priest, um, he, he was a great mentor and it was, it was a real vibrant, uh, community. I think maybe in terms of surprises, um, I, I was surprised by how formative it was, um, in, uh, in, in terms of Hispanic ministry, the Um, Parish had a large Hispanic community, Um, and also uh, I lived with uh, Hispanic missionaries, lay missionaries, uh, who lived in the rectory with uh, me and Father Cal, and we prayed together in Spanish regularly, Um, and I got to see their work and uh, the kind of the energy and zeal that they brought, really preaching the gospel, um, teaching Bible classes, and so that was kind of interesting. The missionary servants, they were a a surprise for me to, to be able to kind of Work around them and and see see their work. Also, then after my uh, second year of theology, I did another pastoral year at St. Anthony's uh, in Renton, Washington, uh, not far from SeaTac Airport, and uh, that was with then Father Jack Schrum, who has now become Father Michael Schrum, OSB, a Benedictine monk at Mount Angel, and so I was there during his last year as a diocesan priest. Oh, wow. um, which there was a lot of wonderful things happening there uh, where we were all going different directions. And uh, I think there I, I really learned a lot from the community's devotional life that that, that parish at St. Anthony's and uh, the pastor, Father, uh, Father now Michael, um, just a, a deep life of devotion and, and to see how the spiritual life of a parish and of a priest can benefit each other. And that, that was something very beautiful.
2: It's amazing. Our Lord, I mean, knows us better than we know ourselves In places before mm-hmm. us and in our lives. Those people that really, well, want to help us along and guide us along the way. And, and you know, those are those relationships that, uh, yeah, we'll always look back on and well, thankful for those people who helped you along the way. Deacon John Paul Tomasi joining us today. He's a transitional deacon with the Archdiocese of Seattle. Well, talk about surprises. Now, Deacon John Paul, I am connected through uh, Facebook and social media to the Archdiocese of Seattle. And lo and behold, Mm -hmm. ahead of your ordination, your placement, uh, once you were ordained a priest, has already been announced. Tell our listeners where you're going to be going. Sure, yeah.
7: Um, I'll be going to St. Michael Parish in Olympia, uh, Washington. And uh, um, that was announced uh, this past weekend. I... Uh, I hope that the the whole parish has heard by now. Um but uh yeah it, it, it's 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 a wonderful parish from everything I've heard at, and and also a real blessing to be with the, uh, the pastor there Father Jim Lee. Um and uh, I have looked up to him a lot during my time in formation um as he's uh, he's uh, suffered with ALS Lou Gehrig's mm-hmm. disease and done so very uh, beautifully. Um so that's uh It'll be a real blessing to be able to work alongside him and to, to learn from him. I think he'll he'll have a lot to teach me. And also the parish, you know, I'm sure will, oh, will teach me plenty.
2: Such yeah. a vibrant church, a church with a school. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. well, again, many blessings. And, and again, what a wonderful opportunity for the parishioners to, to really guide and be with you and learn from you as you kind of become the priest that God meant you to be. Deacon John Paul none of us mm-hmm. get to our destinations our vocations find our way closer to the Lord without many people guiding us away throughout your life God has placed so many starting right with a family that you were born to who have prayed with you guided you and, and just really sent you off and willingly uh, to the Lord I would love to give you this opportunity right now to just take a moment and thank those people who along your way I know it's probably countless but anybody that you, you just want to point out in our interview and in time today on the air?
7: Well, yeah, certainly. I, you named it. Uh, with the uh, family, I, I would not be where I am without um, without my parents, Tim and Kathleen. So I'm uh, looking at my dad right now. I can see him. There you go. Uh, so thanks, Dad and Mom. Uh, and uh, also, I, I think a very formative presence in terms of the faith in our family, um, our deceased uh, my maternal grandmother, Mary Walsh, who I believe half of Portland um, uh, received first communion under her uh, oh, <laughs> under her
2: yeah uh, her guidance uh, and guidance. teaching
7: yeah uh, she she taught I think thirty some years of first communion preparation at Holy Rosary um, uh, really a wonderful woman and, and a strong faith that she imparted to her family um, so uh, thanks be to God for her life and. Um, also, uh, yeah, the parishes I served um, and and the pastors there um, that, that I mentioned, uh, you know, Saint Anthony's and Saint Pius and uh, Father Michael and Father Cal, um, uh, great mentorship, as well as other parishes I've served in uh, maybe uh, uh, other capacities, uh, uh, shorter time frames. Um, real, uh, real, a lot of a lot of real blessings from them. The seminaries I've attended. Um, and the leadership at the seminary. so Bishop White Seminary, Mount Angel, and Mandeline Seminaries, um, really uh, wonderful professors and and uh, formation faculty, spiritual directors along the way. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, most of all, of course, thanks be to God to uh, Jesus for asking him to asking me, pardon, uh, to enter into a, a deep friendship with him and to serve him and serve alongside him.
2: Well, Deacon John Paul, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. We will continue to pray for you, especially I'm sure that uh, you're leading into this, just these last few days, just be a time of peaceful prayer. Before we go, will you end us in prayer and your deacon's blessing?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given us. Uh, We thank you for all... The, all the vocations that you bless the church with to consecrated life, religious life, holy matrimony, and holy orders. We ask that you always uh, guide us closer to your heart as we uh, seek to serve you. We ask this through the intercession of your blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
7: May God, who is blessed above all, bless you in all things through Christ, so that whatever may happen in your life may work together for your good. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go in peace.
2: Thanks be to God. Deacon John Paul, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us. We will continue to pray for you in these days leading up to your ordination and beyond. We ask you to continue to keep Mater Day Radio and our listeners in your prayers as well.
7: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you.
1: And it is 754 at Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on the morning blend. One of the ways you can support Matri-Day Radio is through our vehicle donation program. If you have an old car, a truck, a boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Matri-Day Radio. Just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu. The vehicle donation page will come up, and you can see all the information right there. Really quick and easy process. And it's a likely tax deduction for you as well. It is Materday Radio's vehicle donation program. Find it on our website at materdayradio.com or through the Hail Mary Media app.
4: Support for Materday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist.
0: The bridge between your faith and everyday life. This is Modern Day Radio. KBVM Portland, Salem, Vancouver. KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield. Translator K235BF, Eugene. And streaming at ModerdayRadio.com.
9: Christopher Minutes. Thoughts on making every day count. I'm Tony Rossi. As a teacher in Chicago, Lashonda Carter is used to going the extra mile for her students, and here's one recent example. Former student Larisha Plummer had recently been accepted to a college program and was looking for work. She had an infant daughter and couldn't find anybody to babysit so that she could attend a job fair. That's when she reached out to Carter, who not only agreed to stay with the child, but also to give Plummer a ride to the job fair. A Facebook Live video from the car by Carter is what made the story spread. That small act of kindness inspired others and even sparked some job offers for Plummer, who hopes to repay her former teacher's good deeds someday. This message was brought to you by The Christophers. Thanks for listening and remember that it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness.
7: Hello, I'm Kevin Doran.
0: And I'm Carla Wehrman, co-host of Sunday Commentary.
7: Join us every weekend on Mater Day Radio, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8 as we break down the scripture readings so you can better prepare to enter into the beauty and mystery of the Holy Mass.
8: It's fun, fast and faith filled. Let us share our love of the good news with you. Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings
2: at 8 on Mater Day Radio.
7: The bridge between your faith and everyday life.
0: The Morning Blend. Check out our podcast at materdayradio.com.
1: 757 and Mater Radio and going after robocalls. We'll tell you about that in the news.
2: And a Catholic shrine dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe is completely destroyed after an arsonist set it to fire. I'll have that story for you, plus more coming up right after Awaken the Saint.
10: Hey everyone, I'm Ethan with Awaken Catholic and this is Awaken the Saint. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Madeleine Sophie Barrett, founder of the Society of the Sacred Heart. Madeleine was born in 1779 in central France. She was baptized in faith, and at her baptism, her older brother Louis, became her godfather. Louis soon left to study for the priesthood, and when he returned home a deacon, Madeline was already 10 years old. She had become an incredibly intelligent and promising girl, and in this moment, Louis suddenly received the impression that she would grow up to serve God in some great way. He started to pay close attention to her upbringing and instructed her as if she were one of his novices, discouraging vice and teaching her self-control. However, 1793 marked the beginning of the reign of terror in France, which put Louis in danger. He fled to Paris, but was arrested there and put in prison. Every day of his imprisonment, he expected to be put to death, but that sentence never came. He was released after two years and returned home. Madeleine, in the meantime, had grown. She was now a young woman, well-loved by her family and friends. She was so popular, in fact, that Louis feared she would forget her interest in religious life. He asked her to go with him to Paris, where he continued to teach her. In Paris, Madeleine also met with Father Varen who was the superior of the Society of Jesus. He was interested in working to restore education after the violence of the revolution had shut down countless Christian schools across France. He spoke to Madeline about forming an institute for schooling young girls and hoped that she would be a part of it. Madeline accepted the call and entered religious life alongside several other women. Then after just a year of instruction, they were sent off to teach at a joint school and Convent. They found great success in their endeavor. And soon a second school was opened to accommodate the influx of students. Unfortunately, the convent's superior proved unfit for the job and quit the position after only two years, leaving Madeline and the rest without leadership. Father Varon wasted no time in appointing Madeline as the new superior, much to her concern. She was still only 23 years old and wasn't sure if she was ready for such responsibility. It turned out she was wrong to doubt herself. Madeline was a natural leader and led the initiative with wisdom and energy. After her success in this venture, she was requested all over France to revive rundown convents, found new communities, and instruct novices. Her guiding principles and methods laid the groundwork for what would eventually become her own congregation, the Society of the Sacred Heart. Madeline supported the daughters of a religious community well into her 80s, as they spread across many countries until she died in 1864. We owe much of who we are to those who raised us. It's safe to say that Madeline, while gifted, wouldn't have ended up where she did if not for her godfather and her parents, who brought her up in the faith. We cannot be thankful enough for those who brought us to God in our youth, and the best way to give thanks is to pass along what they taught. St. Madeline Sophie Barrett, pray for us. Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint.
1: And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Dei Radio, please download our free Hail Mary media app. Details at materderadio.com. It's 8 o'clock.
2: A 41-year-old woman has been arrested and charged in connection with causing more than $78,000 in damages in a Tuesday arson attack at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in DePlain, Illinois. Now, the 60-acre shrine, which receives hundreds of thousands of pilgrims each year and is meant to spread devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, operates under the auspices of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Virginia Roke Furman of Arlington Heights, Illinois, was charged with one felony count of arson police said. Now, security footage shows her throwing statues, buckets, chairs, and planter pots into the fire to stoke the flames. Now, Father Ezekiel Sanchez, the Shrine's rector, told Catholic News Agency Wednesday that the outdoor area that was set on fire is called the Chapel of the Resurrected Christ. Pilgrims often gravitate towards this chapel and leave written petitions, candles, and photographs of loved ones, he said. The chapel, which houses a large statue of Jesus, was totally demolished by the flames, he said.
1: Well, are you tired of those annoying robocalls? (laughs) we got
2: rid of our home phone line because of them, David. Yeah,
1: well, maybe this will help. Oregon has joined other states across the nation In a lawsuit against a telecommunications company accused of making more than 7.5 billion robocalls to people on the national Do Not Call Registry. So the lawsuit was filed Tuesday in U.S. District Court in Phoenix against Avid Telecom and its executives. The lawsuit said Avid Telecom used spoofed or invalid caller ID numbers, including millions of calls that appear to be coming from government and law enforcement agencies, as well as private companies. Company also allegedly sent or transmitted scam calls about the Social Security Administration, Medicare, Amazon, and more. Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum said the state is glad to be a part of this lawsuit as this issue affects Every one of us, particularly older Oregonians, who are more likely to be preyed upon by scammers and predatory businesses that engage in robocalling.
2: Please, please those yeah we were getting i'm not kidding david probably at least six a day and -hmm. this was again during the like the initial covid shutdown a few years ago like throughout the day we were scott's on phone calls and such at home and the phone's ringing in the background sure he finally said that's it yeah no more cell phones only for us
1: and and these are going to people who are on the do not call registry yeah so anyway
2: i don't like it Well, Pope Francis has established that the Auditor General of the Holy See will continue to carry out its tasks during a Sede Vacante. Now, the Sede vacante, David, is the period between the death, the resignation of a pope and the election of his successor, Sede vacante, empty chair. Uh, That's okay. what that means. Yeah. Now, according to Holy See law during Sede Vicante, all heads of curial institution and members cease from their office. Those secretaries attend to the ordinary governance of curial institutions, taking care of ordinary business only. Now, Francis ruled that the office of the Auditor General, which does not have a secretary, may also continue its ordinary administration in the case of a vacant Papal see. Now, the Auditor General is responsible for auditing the financial statements of the Holy See and the Vatican City State. Hmm.
1: Well, a lot of Portland area students going to be breathing a little easier with this news. Portland Public Schools is getting 3,500 free portable air purifiers from the Oregon Health Authority in an effort to improve classroom ventilation. The order will allow the district to install a second purifier in many of its classrooms, boosting air filtration where it has been lagging behind recommended standards. The district's announcement comes after an investigation by the Oregonian last May that found a quarter of the district's elementary and middle school classrooms had subpar ventilation rates. Now, this month, the day after the United States ended its public health emergency for COVID-19, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for the first time also set a target for maintaining healthy indoor air quality so they have this standard where it's like the air has to be changed out sure over a a particular course of time so you know like it's five or six times per whatever and so the air purifiers get to that rate or try to get to that rate
2: well great we know those little kids after especially after coming in from recess yeah they take up a lot of air that's it Hmm. Well, three brothers were reported missing on Friday after attempting to cross the Clackamas River on a raft. David, you were talking Mm. in our first segment about the dangers of the water right now. The body of one of the missing rafters was located on Tuesday afternoon in the Clackamas River, according to the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office. Vasily Zagrichuk, 65 years old of Gresham, was found dead after being trapped in a series of logs and debris that blocks off a portion of the river. Now, a rafting trip to Austin Hot Springs sent three men into the water as they tried to cross the Clackamas River. Only one reportedly made it out alive. The man who survived said they were attempting to reach the springs when the raft flipped over, sending them down river. He said he searched the area but was unable to locate his two brothers. Clackamas County Search and Rescue was activated and searched for the men into overnight hours in a swift, moving, and extremely high river condition. Now, the Sheriff's Office remind folks that Austin Hot Springs is private property close to the public. They're also warning those recreating along the Clackamas River to use extreme caution. The river levels are high, currents are moving very quickly, and water temperatures are still very cold. Yeah,
1: can be very dangerous. Sorry to hear that. In sports, the NBA playoffs are back in Boston tonight in the Eastern Conference Final. Celtics need a win over Miami to stay alive. Heat are up 3-1 to one in the best-of-seven series and can close it out with a victory. A Boston win would send it back to Miami for Game 6 Saturday night. And just sitting back enjoying the show, the Denver Nuggets, who are saying, why don't you take that series all the way to seven games?
2: Just give them a <laughs> few more days. But isn't there some theories that say, you know, when you rest a little bit longer, your jump off of the off of the, you know, yeah. onto the court can be a little sluggish, whereas a team that's been active can remain pretty performing yeah, yeah. pretty well.
1: I, I think there's an element of truth to that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say, or you could look at it from the standpoint of the Denver Nuggets will just be coming in fresh. That's right. Having rested their legs for (laughs) these days. So we'll see.
2: Well, as we were talking about earlier, most likely Jesus spoke Aramaic as his primary language, as it was the common language spoken in the region of Palestine during the first century. However, it's also probable that Jesus had knowledge of Hebrew. Hebrew was the language of religious texts and ritual, and Jesus being raised a devout Jewish family would have been familiar with Hebrew scripture, participated in Hebrew religious practices. While Aramaic was likely Jesus' primary language, his familiarity with Hebrew and potential exposure to Greek would have provided him with a broader linguistic context, allowing him to engage with various individuals and communities during his ministry. And that's one of the reasons why learning Hebrew can greatly benefit Christians by providing a deeper understanding of the origins, cultures, and texts. All right. Uh, first word we talked about was Elohim. Mm -hmm. That was God. God. Here's a word for you, David. Yeah. Ruach HaKodesh. Okay. Ruach Mm HaKodesh. Any guesses? Ruach HaKodesh.
1: Boy, don't know.
2: Well, that phrase translates as Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. In both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, the Ruach HaKodesh refers always and unequivocally to to the spirit of god the expression refers to the presence and power of god in the world and in the lives of believers associated with divine inspiration revelation guidance transformation and empowerment for spiritual service
1: mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand with this sunday
2: this sunday pentecost pentecost yeah the descent of the ruach Akadesh. there you go
0: It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community.
2: Well, here's something to add to your calendar. It's just about a week away, June 1st, David. Mm -hmm. At 5 o'clock is Theater of the Saints by the Chesterton Academy of Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. They are gathering at Aquinas Hall at Holy Rosary Parish. Join the students of the Chesterton Academy for a showcase of dramatic scenes the Lives of the Saints on Thursday, June 1st. The performance is suitable for all ages, about an hour in uh, length, and refreshments are going to be provided afterwards. All right. Remember, you can find details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, com, and the Hail Mary Media app.
1: And it is Church Alive with Dina Marie. She joins us right after the
4: forecast.
1: Support from Otter Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including University of Portland, dedicated to excellence and innovation in the classroom. Ranked as one of the top colleges in the West by U.S. News and World Report, the University of Portland is home to robust undergraduate and graduate programs in its colleges of arts and sciences and its schools of business,
5: education, engineering, and nursing. Learn more at up.edu. May is the month of Mary. Celebrate our Blessed Mother by praying more with Matreday day Radio. Our powerful prayer team is waiting to hear from you so they can unite your intentions to Our Lady. Go now to the prayer page at MatreDayRadio.com and the Hail Mary Media app or call our prayer hotline directly. that's 503-285-3737, or tap the Hail Mary Media app and matradayradio.com. Let us pray for you. Throughout the month of May, Matraday Radio also honors our Blessed Mother with a series of insightful Marian Reflections, her sacred mysteries that take us directly to Christ in the Holy Rosary the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and Mater Dei Radio's three daily broadcasts of the Holy Mass. May is the month of Mary, and it's a special time for more prayer at Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
2: And it eight twelve 8-12 here at Mater Dei Radio. Well, things warming up a little bit today and lots of sunshine already filling the sky. That's going to allow temperatures to rise. Highs today going to push to about 82 degrees in the Willamette Valley in southwest Washington. Overnight, we're mostly clear and cooling down to the middle 50s. Then for your Friday, a couple degrees warmer to 85 degrees. And uh, looking ahead should be a very nice Memorial Day weekend.
1: All right. It is 57 degrees at Queen of Peace Church in Salem.
2: And it is 56 degrees at Immaculate Heart Catholic Church in Kelso, Washington.
8: Good morning, this is Dina Marie with The Church Alive, an update from the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, and today I'm visiting with Father Mike Kieber. He serves as our new Director for Hispanic Ministry for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. His office provides direct support to our parishes with Hispanic Catholics, serving as a resource in the Archdiocese to help welcome and integrate the Hispanic community into the life of the Church. Father Mike, thanks for joining me today.
11: Thank you very much, Dina Marie, and hello to All the listeners.
8: It's been exciting to see this new voice for the Archdiocese, Mm -hmm. the Church Alive newsletter. There's a particular newsletter, I know, for our priests and clergy, and then Mm -hmm. the Church Alive to the greater Catholic population, but keeping us updated on what's going on. And we saw your name. We've been seeing since February these gatherings Mm -hmm. in the ministry that's just launched here. Give us a sense, February, early part of February. An amazing number of people from all over the Archdiocese gathered at the Pastoral Center. Mm-hmm. What was the purpose and what really happened at that first February
11: meeting? Sure. So there were about 70 to 80 Hispanics who, who joined us. They, they represented 32 parishes within the Archdiocese. And so it was a good gathering. And it was leaders who were mainly lay, but we also had clergy there and deacons, deacons and priests. So we began with a a welcome, I welcome them for making sacrifices. Some of them had to actually ask for time off work, so they're making sacrifices in that way. Some of them drove from Medford, you know, so they made sacrifices with their time, with their resources, just to be there. And then OCP was present, Two two of the workers of OCP were present, and they provided us with music. And music is very important for the Hispanic, community and Hispanic spirituality. So it was great to start, start our time together praising God. I mean, what, mm-hmm. Can you think of a better way to start? <laughs> and so we did that, and then, and then we followed a, a method called ver, which means see, to see, evaluar, to evaluate, and then actuar, to act. And that was the method we, we followed. So I, I asked them, we were all broken up into tables, and I asked them, we gave them flip charts, too, and I, I asked them to write, what do you see in your parishes? And so they, they worked on that for about an hour or so, and, and uh, God's doing all kinds of great things mm. in our parishes in Hispanic ministry right now. Yeah. And, and I, instead of focusing on what's broken or what's, what the problems are, let's focus on the positive things. Let's focus on what's working well and strengthen that. And so that was what we did. And then we, we gave each group a chance to address the whole group. And this is what I see in my parish, or this is what I see in the, in the vicariate. And so that was uh, a moment of, I don't know, illumination, mm-hmm. enlightenment. And then we, had, we wanted to give the clergy a chance to talk, and clergy like to talk. <laughs> so it went on quite long. And we weren't able to get so much to the, the next thing. We, we focused on uh, el pasado, the, the past, el pasado y presente, the present, but we weren't able to get to el futuro, so what would we like to see in the future, and we'll, we're going to save that for another meeting. Wow. So.
8: By the end of that meeting, Father Mike, what did you take away, okay, we've had this opportunity to kind of give you that next step forward in bringing leadership together and designing a plan?
11: Yeah, so I, I think it was invaluable because in the Hispanic community, everything is relationships. It all goes back to relationships. So I think I'm starting to build good relationships with the Hispanic ministry leaders and gaining their trust. And, and together, I mean, we're called to be a listening church, so I, I want to listen to them. And the other thing I've learned is don't plan for people. Don't plan for the Hispanics. Plan with the Hispanics. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to do. I want to plan with them our ministry as we go forward. Right. So...
8: Father Mike Keebler is with us, the Director for Hispanic Ministry here in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. You can read a lot about what's coming up in terms of events and activities through the Church Alive newsletter. That's going to be one key way on a regular basis to inform and to educate and to invite people and to invite others to tell the story. Because Mm -hmm. I think as well as as relationship building, I think telling stories Has to be for all of us very mm-hmm. important to retaining our identity and our family life. Yep, is in storytelling.
11: Storytelling, and uh, I do, uh, in a book I wrote on preaching, I do talk about the importance of story and how, how the faith is transmitted in stories from the Bible, but also what's the story of our family? How did we come here to the United States? Why did we leave Mexico or Ecuador mm-hmm. and travel? you know, a perilous journey to the United States where we didn't know the language, we didn't know the culture. So there's a story of of the Hispanic family uh, that that needs to be heard, I'd say, Mm -hmm. and understood. Right, right. So...
8: So you gathered with this large number of leaders mm-hmm. in February. The next meeting was just this past March. But really for the clergy, our, our deacons and priests, to come together with you, what was really the content of that particular gathering?
11: Sure. Uh, our next uh, major meeting was March 9th, and this was uh, for deacons and, and uh, priests, so clergy only. And we wanted we wanted to give the leadership— the priests and, and the deacons a chance to digest the information so we we took the flip charts and put them up on the wall and then we had the the priests and deacons walk by and study those those mm-hmm. charts that that their people had written and and then come back to their tables and then we presented them with a summary of the report in spanish and we said I'm a, I'm a former teacher, so I didn't want to... I'm a current teacher, too, but I didn't want to uh, bore them by reading this long report. <laughs> so we had them read the report at the table and then say, Okay, we see what's going on. Now let's evaluate it, evaluar. And so they evaluated it and came up with a pastoral response. And so that was the, the content of that March 9th meeting with clergy. And I, I want to meet with clergy annually. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I want to gather them together because they are the true leaders uh, of of the Hispanic community. Right. So.
8: Right. And Father Mike, that first component, seeing, when you started to read those flip charts, were there some common threads from all of these different people from north, south, east west, to west? What are people seeing in their Hispanic communities?
11: I think they're seeing that it's very lively, very vibrant. Um, Hispanic community has many movements in the, in the church, uh, including the charismatic renewal, including Cursillo, including San Juan Diego, there's a new movement I just learned about in Salem called Kairos Kai Metanoia. It's a, a time for conversion and change of our lives. And uh, so that's at Salem, in Salem at St. Joseph's. And uh, so there's all kinds of good things that the Holy Spirit is doing in our Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. So,
8: And in terms of generations, how many generations, the desire to maintain that culture, but also to know there's this... I live here in the United States, how do I have a balance of yeah. maintaining my culture, my language, all the beauty that comes from where I'm from, but also to be here in Western Oregon?
11: Sure, that's a, that's a, a question It would probably take a few days right. for me I to know. answer, but but a short answer would be that uh, we often are, uh, as preachers, I'm a preacher of the gospel as a priest, and i find myself preaching to three generations mm. there's the, the 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 grandparents you know the abuelos and then there's the padres they're there and then the children and so the the padres and the abuelos they may they may prefer spanish the whole mass in spanish but their their kids may not speak spanish <laughs> you know mm-hmm. cuz they they may just listen to it and understand it and always respond in English. So they're not comfortable speaking Spanish. And yet they grow up in a Hispanic household with Hispanic culture. So you can't just say do everything in English or do it like the Anglo-Americans do it because they're Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so they, learn, they often learn prayers in their sacred language, language that they learned from their mother who taught them prayers when they were young. Yeah. But then also... Um, Mother Church, you know, has taught them how to pray. And often it is in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to provide sacramental ministry and ministry of the word, pastoral care to to Hispanics in their own language, understand their culture especially. Yeah. That's often the big missing piece is we don't understand their culture. And so we have we have a coming together of two cultures culture from these hispanic countries who and then people emigrate to the united states and that culture meshes with our culture and something new comes out of it and that's that's the hispanic reality and that's what this book is about preaching to latinos
8: right Father Mike Kieber is with us, and as you bring up that book, you bring up a few more questions. We are coming to a break, but I want to take a break and then come back, talk a little bit more about the uh, Hispanic community and the Hispanic moment that you write about in the book. So stay with us here. Again, Father Mike Kieber with the Hispanic Ministry Office here in the Archdiocese of Portland. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
2: It is 824 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, this warm weather is making great ability for ministries and parishes to have some special events. Our community calendar is one place you can go to find where all of those events are taking place. Go to our webpage, materdayradio.com. Under the Get Involved menu, you're going to see the community calendar. You'll also have access to the community calendar, as as well as a map system that you plug into your phone. It gets you right to where you need to be. That you'll find on the Hail Mary media app. It is our community calendar. Let us know of your ministry event or parish event, and we'll get it on there.
4: Support for Matri-Day Radio comes from our leadership circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist.
5: Would
1: you like to make your spring cleaning plans a little easier this year? Let Mater Dei Radio give you a hand. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you would like to clear out, our vehicle donation program is just the answer. You can donate your vehicle to Mater Dei Radio and get a likely tax deduction in return. It's quick and easy, giving you a real jump start to your spring cleaning. Learn more about our vehicle donation program at
0: materderadio.com. It's the cup that refreshes, the morning blend on Monterey Radio.
1: And it is 8:26 at Monterey Radio. TriMet votes to raise its fares. We'll have the story in the news.
2: And it was just 1 year ago when a gunman opened fire in a school in Uvalde, Texas. The archbishop there says, "But we are here as a sign of hope." I'll tell you more about that story coming up in 3 minutes. Here is Marie Miller and 2 to 1. And we are The Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
3: It hasn't been so long since we were like a diamond sky.
1: Marie Miller and 2 to 1. It's 8:30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
2: And in your news this hour, on the 1-year anniversary of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, Archbishop Gustavo Garcia Siller of San Antonio, standing at the pulpit of the town's Catholic church, reminded the community that faith and unity are essential to move forward. Archbishop Garcia Siller said, our presence here today is already a foretaste of the hope that helps us communicate among us and which pushes us forward. The mass shooting on May 24th, 2022, 19 fourth grade students and two teachers died in what was one of the deadliest mass shootings in nation's history, the assailant was also killed, but law enforcement's slow response has long been scrutinized. In the years since the town's police force has been dismantled, the school superintendent retired amid pressures from the victims' families, and the state officers have also been terminated for their response as the massacre unfolded. Outside of Uvalde, the victims' families have gone to the Texas Capitol every Tuesday advocating for gun legislation, including a bill that would raise the minimum age to buy an AR-15 style rifle from 18 to 21 years old. The bill showed promise earlier this month, but is unlikely to pass before the legislative session ends.
1: Well, as always, it will be a very busy time on the Oregon coast this Memorial Day weekend. And that's a reminder again, to be very careful when approaching the ocean waters and the dangerous rip currents there. Over a week ago, a beaverton teen lost his life after being swept out to sea, after being knocked over by a wave while wading offshore near Cannon Beach. Another friend had to be rescued. In Pacific City, state park officials are concerned about two sinkholes that have formed on Cape Kiwanda, the latest just on May 8th. Now, while the sinkholes are fenced off to visitors, park officials remind folks to be alert near the sinkholes as they could change at any moment or another could appear. Since the discovery of the sinkholes, Oregon State Parks has increased its presence on the Cape. Geologists continue to evaluate the area. We were looking at those photos of those sinkholes, and they really are amazing. And you can see how the second one developed, and I think the first one has a bigger hole in it now. Mm You know, and they say that pounding of the ocean just hits that sandstone and probably somehow washed out underneath it. And so who knows what the future holds there.
2: Right. I'd be interesting to see if that sinkhole eventually, I mean, they kind of form together to make one and then eventually a hole that uh, you'll be able to see the surf at the bottom. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis entered the 2024 presidential race on Wednesday, stepping into a crowded Republican primary contest. The 44-year-old Republican revealed his decision in a Federal Elections Commission filing before an online conversation with Twitter CEO Elon Musk. DeSantis' entry into the Republican field has been rumored for months. He joins a field that already includes Donald Trump, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, and biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramswamy. Now, Governor DeSantis was raised Catholic, attended Mass as a child, and was a student at Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church School in Dunedin, Florida. He's the nephew of a Catholic priest, also the nephew, Catholic sister, both residing in Ohio.
1: Well, despite vocal protests, TriMed Board of Directors last night voted to raise transit fares by $0.30 beginning next January. On a 6-to-1 vote, the board increased the regular adult fare to $2.80. Fares for students, elderly, disabled riders, as well as registered low-income riders will also increase by $0.15 to $1.40. The increase does not affect monthly fares for users of Hop FastPass cards, Last night's meeting was frequently interrupted by chanting from people protesting the fare hike, but TriMet board members said the increase is necessary to sustain TriMet services. The agency has struggled financially due to drops in ridership during the pandemic, and the majority of board members pointed to TriMet's lack of a fare increase for the last decade and said they didn't want to delay it any longer.
2: Well, early Tuesday morning, a small group of outdoor adventurers ascended a footpath towards Johnston Ridge Observatory to gather supplies necessary for its summer operation. On a May 14th, a mixture of mud, rocks, and water poured over Spirit Lake Memorial Highway, burying the road and damaging the 85-foot bridge. The goal of the hikers was to gather useful items so Johnston Ridge Observatory can function at the Coldwater Science and Learning Center. Their empty backpacks would be filled with radios, computers, and informational sheets. The Johnston Ridge Observatory sits at the end of Spirit Lake Memorial Highway in the center of Mount St. Helens blast zone, presenting an impressive view of the volcano. Visitors can still catch an equally stellar glimpse of the crater at the Castle Lake Viewpoint. I always point out when we would take visitors up to, you know, family coming to visit, we'd go up there, and it's still amazing view up there at Johnston uh, Ridge. Right. But they tell you if you were at that point where the observatory is. At the moment of the uh, eruption of Mount St. Helens back in 1980, you would not have survived. Mm -hmm. That's how close up you get and how dangerous that eruption was.
1: In regards to that landslide, I, you know, I haven't seen any stories recently to see if they have even started to clean that up. I kind of don't think so yet. They're probably still evaluating it and trying to determine how to do it. It was huge.
2: It was huge. And it's the bridge. It needs to be completely replaced. It's just uh, washed out. It's
1: going to be a big job. In sports, tough start for Oregon State at the Pac-12 Conference Baseball Tournament in Scottsdale, Arizona. Beavers fell to Arizona 13-12 yesterday. Wildcats scored the winning run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Oregon State takes on Arizona State this morning at 10 o'clock. Oregon, who won their opener, faces top seed Stanford tonight at 7. Now at the West Coast Conference Baseball Tournament in Las Vegas, University of Portland will face Santa Clara at 7.20 this evening. As the two-seed, the Pilots had a first-round bye. And the Oregon women's softball team begins play this evening in the College Softball Super Regional in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Ducks take on Oklahoma State at 6 o'clock in the best-of-three series with the winner advancing to the College Softball World Series.
2: Well, most likely... Jesus spoke Aramaic as his primary language, and it was the common language spoken in the region of Palestine during the first century. And since it was the language used in everyday conversation, trade and community interaction in Jesus' day and age, historians assume that he grew up speaking Aramaic within his family and community. While Aramaic was likely Jesus' primary language, his family with Hebrew and potential exposure to Greek would have provided him with a broader linguistic context, allowing him to engage with various individuals and communities during his ministry. Well, Daniel Esparsa gives us three important Hebrew words that every Christian should know that helps provide a deeper understanding of the origins, culture, and text that form our foundation of faith. Mm -hmm. So we talked about Elohim in our first hour. That's the word that translates to God. Right. Then Ruach Akodesh. Ruach Akodesh. Okay. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We talked about Pentecost this weekend. The third word, Kapoor. 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 Mm-hmm. You ever heard I've, of heard? I've
1: heard that word.
2: Yom Kippur.
1: Yom Kippur. There you Yom go. Kippur. Okay.
2: Yeah. Now that is the day of atonement. It is the holiest day of the year for Jews. It's a time of fasting prayer and repentance where individuals seek forgiveness for their sins and reconcile with God. Although some authors understand forgiveness and atonement to be radically different, it is true that they both highlight the human and divine capacity of victims and creditors to forgive transgressors and debtors from both moral and financial debt. So Kapoor, there you go. Forgiveness.
0: It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community.
2: On June 3rd at 11 a.m. here in the Archdiocese of Portland at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception, all are invited to the priestly ordination of Deacon Anthony Hogpan, Deacon Matthew Knight, and Deacon Efren Razzo to priesthood. A reception will be following the Mass after. Remember, you can find more details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, matradayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app.
1: And Dina Marie continues her Church Alive interview right
4: after the forecast.
2: Holy Family Catholic Clinic is looking for a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, psychologist, or licensed clinical social worker who is passionate about their mission of respecting the dignity of each person, mind, body, and spirit. If you or someone you know is looking to make a difference, please contact Holy Family Catholic Clinic by sending an email to info at holyfamilyclinic.com.
1: Hi, everyone. This is David from Day Radio's Morning Blend. I would like to invite you to check out my new podcast, On The Go, where I have a chance to visit with coaches, musicians, artists, and more. We go a little bit more in-depth with the podcast, which hopefully gives you a little more insight into the good folks we talk to. It's On The Go, available on your favorite podcast platform or Monterey Radio's free Hail Mary media app. I'll talk to you soon. It is 841 on Monterey Radio. Sunshine today, high of 82 degrees. There is a slight chance of a thunderstorm later this afternoon into this evening, about a 20% chance. Low tonight, 56. Then Friday, sunny, high of 85, even warmer. Then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Memorial Day weekend, looking pretty nice. Highs in the mid-70s.
2: Currently it is 60 degrees at Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in Vancouver.
1: And 61 degrees at Christ the King Church in Milwaukee.
8: This is Dina Marie, and I'm continuing my church, a live update today with Father Mike Kieber, who serves as our director for Hispanic ministry for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Father Mike's been sharing about some of the early meetings this year gathering leadership volunteers our priests religious uh, deacons coming together to really share their message and i know upcoming you'll read about it more and hear about it in church alive is a may event at saint anthony's but i want to have you talk a little bit father mike because you did write a book it's mm-hmm. called preaching to latinos welcoming the hispanic moment in the u.s church mm-hmm. What is the Hispanic moment that you write about, but how does it relate to us here in Western Oregon?
11: So the Hispanic moment is the fact that the U.S. Catholic Church is is undergoing a present transformation of becoming predominantly Latino. The demographic studies show that she is right now 43% Latino overall, and 60% of the Catholics under the age of 18 are Latino The Hispanic moment means not only that the people in the pews are Latinos, but that those involved in leadership and ministries are also increasingly Hispanic. What is distinct about the Hispanic moment contrasted with other moments. So you can think of like a German moment or an Mm -hmm. Italian moment or a a Polish moment when, when our forefathers came here as Catholics and wanted to practice. Those were all those moments. But what's different now is the sheer size of the Hispanic population in the Catholic Church. Never has the immigrant population of the U.S. Catholic Church been so predominantly from one ethnic group. Though not monolithic, this new ethnicity will soon become the majority of Catholics in the United States. Mm. And so I think that's, that's really what the Hispanic moment is. Here in Western Oregon, right now, this is what a bishop told me here, 48% of the all the catholics in United, in uh, western oregon are latino are hispanic yeah so so it's incredible what god is doing
8: it is so amazing and you mentioned earlier the gathering of just about 80 leaders talking about what do we see mm. you know what are those strengths that we see coming from this this community these families sure. multi generations what are those beautiful strengths
11: uh, i would say three things uh family, faith, and then also popular piety. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Family, faith, and popular piety. So family, the notion of family for a Hispanic goes beyond the nuclear family, you know, of a father and mother and children. It, It includes abuelos, so grandma and grandpa, tios, tias, aunts and uncles. So There's a notion of the extended family. This is all part of my family. Mm -hmm. And then family grows by the sacrament of baptism Mm -hmm. when I become a padrino, when I become a a, a godparent. So that means being present at the baptism, but then also accompanying that person throughout their life and uh, being, being present at First Communion, being present at confirmation, being present at marriage and contributing financially. Mm-hmm. So there's real skin in the game, I would say, when you become a padrino. Right. It's a it's a commitment, serious commitment.
8: Right. And certainly the faith, the Catholic faith is part of the family. I mean, yeah. that's what fuels and feeds the right. sacraments feed the family life.
11: Right, right. And so family is is crucial to the identity of Hispanics. That's that's how they that's the lens that they look at the world with, is through my family. Mm-hmm. And so there was a bishop at one point, a, bishop, a Hispanic bishop, who was describing the difference. He said, in Mexico, my relatives would visit me every day. <laughs> he says, here in the United States, it's maybe once a week. <laughs> <laughs> if that. Yeah, yeah. And so so, anyways, it's a different culture. Uh, faith is, is really uh, key to it all, though, however, so... They they want to grow in their faith. They've learned the faith from these countries of origin, mm-hmm. and they've they've learned these practices, and they want to bring them to the United States and practice their faith here. They also want to bring, uh, pass on their faith to their children. They often don't know how, mm-hmm. but uh, I think one of one of the ways they can do that is through popular piety, popular religiosity. So if you go to a Hispanic home, there's often a little altar, an altarcito, like in a corner over there, or some, some at some place in the house and there you'll find a crucifix you'll mm-hmm. see the crucified Lord and there you'll find Our Lady of Our lady. Sorrows, Sorrows and often an uh, image of Our Lady of Guadalupe you'll find images of the saints you'll find rosaries, you'll find candles but a Hispanic young lady was talking about what she saw and she saw her mom kneel and pray at the altarcito one time and uh she was profoundly moved by just watching her mother pray. Yeah, and uh, so that's kind of a beautiful image.
8: It's a beautiful example to pass along the faith, and we're learning that more and more uh, yeah. with this um, this amazing growth of the Hispanic community. Not only here in Western Oregon, but you are saying in the United States, the population continues to grow. In so, the church, I,
11: yeah, I make a direct connection between the faith of Hispanics and popular piety. So they're they're they gravitate toward symbols, mm-hmm. processions, devotions to Our Lady, Eucharistic adoration. They love all that, those those rich symbols we have as Catholics. And I think that's a gift they bring to, to the Catholic Church in the United States. Right, right. So...
8: Father Mike Kieber with us again, Director of Hispanic Ministry for the Archdiocese. She'll always be learning more about what's happening with this ministry in the Church Alive weekly newsletter. It comes out on Thursdays from the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. There's going to be another event coming up really following your February March just with our clergy, but mm-hmm. in May, another gathering to continue on, see, evaluate, then taking action. What will this meeting on May 18th at St. Anthony's in Tigard really be about, and who's all invited?
11: Sure. Uh, so this meeting uh, will be ongoing training of Hispanic ministry leaders. Like you said, we've already met once. We're going to meet again, and and we'll be be meeting two times in the fall. So I'm setting up regular meetings you know, through 2023, and then I've got to do a calendar for 2024. Mm-hmm. I'd like us to have quarterly meetings. Yeah. So in this meeting, in the last meeting, we did a lot of uh, a bear, what do you see? And, and this is a time for evaluar, moving toward actuar, to, to acting. We have limited resources, and so we have to make hard decisions. And so I think I want input from people, I want to hear what they're they're saying, and I, I want to discern what's the Lord saying to us as mm-hmm. far as the direction we need to go. So it's really a time for continuing to build relationships, continuing to gather the leaders and training them. And what I'm trying to do is train the trainers. So mm-hmm. they're the trainers in their parishes. They're the ones who lead ministry, and they need to train people, Volunteers to do ministry, mm-hmm. and so the idea is, if I train them well, then they can go back to their parishes renewed, strengthened, with more knowledge, with more hope, and they can provide the training for catechists, for parents, for whoever needs it, right, in their parishes. So, yeah, because I, I, I have the image of Atlas, you know, who's got uh, <laughs> the, the, he's got a planet on his shoulders. <laughs> Because I'm director of Hispanic ministry. Right. Well, Hispanic ministry is just all those who go to go to church, all the Hispanics, but then uh, all the Hispanics who don't go to church. Yeah. And so, how can I care for this whole community uh, right. by the grace of God and <laughs> focusing on the leaders? I think.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So. And I think really, you mentioned the the devotions, the devotionals, the prayer this Eucharistic adoration, this time of really Eucharistic revival, I think will really continue to revive the whole church, but particularly our Hispanic brothers and sisters, because it just speaks to their heart and their Mm -hmm. culture is Christ in the Holy Eucharist.
11: Yeah, so I I think in my experience of serving as a priest for 23 years, uh, the majority of that time has been serving the Hispanic community. And I have been so moved and so blessed by their love for the Lord in the Eucharist, and and their love for adoration. And I think that's another gift they bring to us, just their piety, their devotion, their simple faith. Yeah. You know, and it's expressed, you know, in this popular religiosity, which is religion from the people. They want to bring that to the church, and I think they find that same uh, symbol or same presence of God when they do Eucharistic adoration. Right. So—
8: the next meeting is coming up Thursday, May 18th, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So if people do want to come, do they need to RSVP? Should they just show up?
11: Yeah, we need to RSVP because we're going to have food when they arrive. Okay. So so this is part of the feedback of our, our leaders is a lot of them work during the day. So they're coming directly from work. Mm-hmm. So we want to feed them a meal and then get to work. Okay. And so those who, who should come to the meeting should RSVP. Uh, let us know you're coming so we get the right amount of food. <laughs> Bring your appetites and your goodwill.
8: <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Again, St. Anthony's and Tigard will be the host church for that Thursday night, May 18th. You'll learn more about it on the Church Alive newsletter. ArchDPDX.org is the website. You can go right to the Hispanic Ministries office link on the website. Is uh, is there an email that's best to connect with you directly, Father Mike?
11: Uh, My archdiocesan email, m-k-u-e-b-e-r at p-d-x dot org. Okay,
8: perfect. And we'll get that information on this podcast as well. Father Mike, we're grateful for you to be here, part of this amazing family, and let's continue to pray together. And we'll continue to pray for all of us as we work in this ministry together. Would you help us close with a closing prayer?
11: Sure. Let us turn to Our Lady, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Amen. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now Amen. and at the, at the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
8: Thank you so much, Father Mike. Have Thank a blessed you. day.
11: Thank you.
2: And it is 8.53 here at Mater Day Radio Well, during this time, especially as we lead up to Memorial Day, so many people are mourning the loss of a loved one. Please let Matri-Day Radio pray with you. If you call our prayer hotline or go to our webpage at matri you'll find information about how you can submit the name of a faithfully departed, and we will add them to the list of names that we pray on the air every single day. And there is no prayer too great for our prayer warriors, or too small. Let us know your prayer intention and our prayer warriors will pray with you. Again, you can find more information at MatardayRadio.com.
4: Support for Matarday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722, that's 503-252-1722.
10: Are you a young adult in your twenties or thirties? Are you looking to bring Christ into your everyday work? Hi, I'm Jesse Jose, the president of the Portland Chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Our mission is to challenge, train, and inspire young adults to work in Witness for Christ. No matter your career field or level of experience, we invite you to join us at an upcoming event to build community, learn from seasoned professionals, and grow in your Catholic faith. For more information, visit ycpportland.org.
2: What do you get when you cross a Catholic radio show host and a permanent deacon?
0: A match made in heaven. I'm Deacon Scott Aiken from the Archdiocese of Seattle.
2: And I'm Brenda Aiken from The Morning Blend. Work and family life can be hectic.
0: We understand, and together we'll find God's grace.
2: We may not always agree,
6: but we are always faithful.
2: Listen on Friday evenings at 7.30 and Sunday evenings at 6 as we share stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew.
0: Right here on Matre day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The morning blend, two hours a day for two times the fun on Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary.
1: And it is eight fifty-six at Mater Day Radio. Sunshine today, high of eighty-two degrees. Slight chance of a thunderstorm later. Low of fifty-six, and then sunny again tomorrow. High of eighty-five. It's currently sixty-one degrees in the Rose City.
2: And closing our show today, here's Matt Mar. All the people said Amen. You are listening to the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio.
12: You are not-
1: Matt Marr, and all the people said, Amen. It's 859 at Monterey Radio.
12: Oh,
1: day. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Morning Blend this morning. David and Brenda with you. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Tina, for all oh. of the wonderful music throughout the years we will never forget you your music uh, lives on and so uh prayers for tina and all her families
2: oh for sure again a loss i mean that one just really feels like a loss but it you know long life and what she's been able to contribute and lifts people's spirits well that is a gift for
1: sure Tomorrow, Friday, we head into the Memorial Day weekend. You ready?
2: Oh, I am ready. All We're gonna right. talk. Don't definitely want to tune into tomorrow's yeah. morning blend. We hope you have a very blessed Thursday.